Good evening uh, to the Facebook Live audience. Um, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to those who will listen to this on podcast or watch on YouTube. And welcome to the podcast that is live uh, from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, it's a black and it's another episode of it's a black and white thing. You can go to the podcast app of your choice, uh, and search to search brains and bars to find every episode of it's a black and white thing. If you're on iTunes, please give us five stars and leave a comment. All other apps, just follow us. You can also go to YouTube, search for brains and bars and follow all the content that we're posting there. We got some sports stuff up. We got some Kansas city Christian hip hop stuff up. If you're into that. Um, also, rate and subscribe, hit that notification bell, ding, for all the latest content. Um, and then you can follow us on social media by searching Brains and Bars on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, as always, you know, I don't do this podcast by myself. I got my man, my ace, my Cody riding shotgun with me. A-Ward, what's going on, man? Yo, what's up? What's up, y'all? Appreciate you guys tuning in on Facebook Live. Um, thank you for following all of the social media hyperlinks. Find us on Instagram. Do that. Brains and bars, like A1 said. You can follow me personally. Go to imaward.com. Just click all the tabs. Click the merch tab. Go buy some merch. Click the battles tab. Go watch some battles. Most of all, follow me on all my social media hyperlinks there as well. It's good to be here. Um, I am uh, trapped in this quarantine room, chilling hanging out. Like I was saying earlier, I took a vacation day today, <laughs> even though I work from home <laughs> just to not have to live, you know, pick my laptop up. So it's one of them kind of days. How's your week been though? Uh, good, man. Good. Done with school. Glad to be out for at least two weeks before I go back for summer school. So um, I'm excited about that. Um, so, you know, other than that, working on, you know, podcast stuff, working from home, like you said, life is good. Can't complain. Indeed, indeed. So um, hopefully, if you can see the screen, we're not just the two of us here tonight. We got a couple of guests also on the show. So first, I want to start by introducing the man who's been with me for all the special episodes that hopefully you've been watching on YouTube. So my episodes uh, haven't been special? <laughs> is, that, is that basically what you're saying? <laughs> no, see, what I'm saying is, is that these episodes are different and that they're not sports. So All right, let's, 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 just, let's just stick to words like different then. I'm cool with oh, that. Oh, different. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I got you, I got you. <laughs> My man Dre Senior is in the building tonight. What's good, sir? What's good, what's good? It's your boy. My mama called me Andre. My wife called me Andre, but y'all can call me Dre. One third of the offshoot of this show called it some black and light thing going on. What's good? <laughs> 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 so, and uh, la last but not least, uh, another special guest. Um, he is a Kansas, I'm going to call him a Kansas City legend. Um, he's one of the best basketball players to ever come from this area. Um, a man about the community, does really good community work. Um, also, he's the best basketball player I've ever played with. Um, either him or Jason Sutherland, but Jason Sutherland is not on the show tonight. So, Mike, what's going on, man? What's good, man? What's up, bro? It's, it's a it's a pleasure and an honor to finally be on y'all's show. I, I definitely catch it, man. It's it's been great reminiscing and watching uh, some some guys and seeing them growing into, into not even young men into super adults now. <laughs> uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm excited to to talk about you know one of my favorite subjects, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what's up that's what's up and so i i do want to ask a question though wait a couple wait questions before, before we, we before you, before you do that so it's yes, a sir. black and white thing a black and light thing and a black and might thing right that's what that's where that's where we at that's where we at that's where we at so make sure i got the you know bars bars (laughs) that's what's up so that's what we got going on tonight um so actually yeah we'll we'll just start there i'm going to bypass the normal of the show because it's a special edition so i'm gonna bypass the normal protocols and i'm just gonna jump right into the conversation so before we get into talking all things michael jordan last day in chicago bulls 90s basketball, all that good stuff. I want to ask some questions to you, Mike, about uh, Kansas City basketball. So I want to start by asking you, not including yourself, but if you had a Mount Rushmore of Kansas City area basketball uh, legends, who would that be? Man, that is, that's a great question. Um, for me, my 1A and 1B is uh, Anthony Peeler and Jerron Rush. Uh, Anthony Peeler, Purcell High School, Mizzou, NBA, you know, Jerron Rush, Pembroke Hill, UCLA, NBA. Uh, and then my, my other one is Warren Jabali. A lot of people don't really probably know who that is. Warren Jabali played in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, but from all accounts, everyone who I've talked to, they said that he was he was a, a super legend uh, in the, the Interscholastic League Court at the I.O. Fieldhouse. It's actually named after Warren Jabali. And then my fourth one is probably going to throw y'all a little bit, too, because I'm going to go super old school with John Sunvold. Um, John Sunvold, Blue Springs, and uh, played at Mizzou, played in the league, had super game. You know, so I, I try to touch, you know, different, different eras. He was the 70s, you know, and Jabali was the 60s. And, you know, you got the 80s with, with Peeler and the 90s with, with, uh, with Rush. If I could add one with the 2000s, uh, it would be Quentin Day. Right, he was a bad boy. That two-time Dorinda Award winner from Purcell, uh, UM, USC, UMKC, and then, you know, played pro for 13, 12 years uh, internationally, man. So that that would be my, my – I know I added one to the mountain, but that would be my, my uh, Mount Rushmore for Kansas City basketball. Bet, bet. That's... And none of those guys went to KU, right? Absolutely none of those guys. <laughs> Just making sure. Just making sure that the, the, basically the re- prerequisites to be on the Mount Rushmore <laughs> Kansas City high school basketball is that you are not allowed to commit to the University of Kansas. I like two that. Of them, two of them went to Mizzou. So half of the Mount go. Rushmore went to Mizzou. So there right. we go. <laughs> so uh, speaking of that, so you uh, have played at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, right. Can you, for those of us who have never played at that level and have never been in one of those in that type of arena, right. That had, that's a special place regardless of how we may feel about uh, KU personally, but just kind of talk a little bit about what it's like to play in, in that type of atmosphere. Well, you know, you know what? I always like to tell people this one, this one truth. I don't dislike KU basketball. I respect it because you have to respect a great program. I just don't like the fans like Facts. Bay, Elvis, Facts. Marcus Hunter, like, I don't like those guys. Um, Talk so about it. get it out the way. But hey, the didn't Gandhi say, Allen, like, didn't Gandhi say, like, uh, I love your God, but you're Christians? You know what I mean? Like, he had a quote, like a crazy quote that was like, you know, it's not the God, it's the, you know? So it's kind of is. like that quote paralleled, like, it's look, it's not your team. It's yeah. who represents your team out here in Price Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, but you know what, man? I played in there um, in college. We, we played. 
And when we played in 2002, golly, um, they had Kirk Heinrich, Drew Gooden, Aaron Miles, um, Keith Langford. They had a squad. They were the number two team in the nation when we played them. Uh, we were we came in six and zero. They were seven and zero. We were we were ranked in the mid major rankings at that time. So it was a good matchup. Um, I think what I didn't realize was how close to the court the fans are for one, and how early to the game that they got there. We were there three hours before the game, and it was all already half packed. Um, as we did shoot around. And they had every one of my stats. They, had, they knew everything about me and they were yelling it the entire time um, from the stands, man. But it was one of the craziest environments I've ever played in anywhere in the world. I think the only place in college basketball that can rival playing uh, that I played in personally is gallagher Ibo Arena in Oklahoma State, and Stillwater, rather, Oklahoma State, uh, because the, it's built like this. Like the stands are like right here behind you. You throw your water over your over the shoulder, you'll hit a fan in the face. Like they're that close to you, man. But Allen Fieldhouse is so loud, man. It, it's, if you're okay, you fan like like that's the place you wanna you wanna be and watch a game for sure. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I, I appreciate you uh, kind of giving us some insight on those things. Um, I have one more question, but I'm gonna save it for once we get into the discussion. So, and with that being said. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into it, man. Uh, episodes 9 and 10 of The Last Dance aired last night. Um, bittersweet because that means there is no 11th and 12th episode to come. Uh, but it was an incredible, again, just like just a, an incredible time to reminisce upon the greatness that was the Bulls, the greatness that was Michael Jordan. Um, those two episodes dealt with uh, his – the what epic battle with the Indiana Pacers, one of the few times in the playoffs where the Bulls were pushed to a seventh game. It also dealt detailed a little bit of Steve Kerr, um, his background, losing his father at a young age. Um, it dealt with obviously the battles with the Utah Jazz, a little bit on Byron Russell or Brian Russell, sorry. Um, and and it was it was a fa again, this has been a fascinating episode because there's so much about Jordan that we knew, but then there's these other aspects of just how much of a butthole he was uh, in practice, <laughs> right, to his teammates. Um, to me, I knew Jordan wanted to win his obsession with winning, which you could almost say was kind of unhealthy, right? So I want to, I want to, but I want to start here. If you guys were on the Bulls, could you have dealt with Jordan and that type of pressure that he was always exerting and, and pushing and, and pulling on you to be the best player you could be? So, I, I, Dre, I'll start with you. Um, yes, to a degree. I like, being, I like being around people who are great and going to push me to be great, too. But me and Mike would have had at least one fight. Like, we would have got some things established early on. <laughs> like, like, I'm not the one. You're not going to Scott Burrell me. I'm not going to be the one. You know what I mean? So I would love to play with somebody who's that driven, that passionate, because I know where, where we're going. That sets a standard of, of excellence in the building. You know what I mean? So I love to play around that type of energy. But I also want to let him know, like, we're not going to do this. It's what we're not going to do. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> All right, Ward, what about you? Yeah, I probably would have got a ring or two and then bounced, honestly. Like, um, <laughs> I don't like I, I probably would have just put up with it enough to be considered a champion and then be like, nah, I'm cool on this. Because uh, like Dre said, he would have got a fight. I would have got beat up a couple times. 
So um, <laughs> I already know, you know, my scrapping <laughs> skills. And uh, I, I might have tried a Steve Curry once or twice, but you know, <laughs> so I probably would have. I probably would have got my ring and kept it moving. I mean, as a competitor, you could always put up with stuff as long as you're winning. You know, like I mean, that's that's just how you know. If I'm winning, you know, like all right, I deal with it. It's probably better to be on a team like that winning championships than it is to be, you know, having a great time with all these people who you know fit fit your idea of what chemistry looks like and, and catching L's all the time. Um, so, so I rather, I'd rather go home mad, lay on my, lay, lay on my bed, pissed off at Jordan after we won than to, uh, to go home a loser and, and, and be like, man, Charles Barkley's a real cool guy. <laughs> it, just <don't, laughs> it just don't make sense, you know? So. All right, Mike, how about yourself? Well, first of all, uh, I've never been on a team in my life that I haven't had a fight on ever, uh, at any level starting back in bitty basketball. So I don't know what it's like not to be on a team where you don't fight. Um, Personality-wise, I think that me and Jordan would have been best friends, like on Step Brothers. Like, we would have became best friends uh, because I felt like that's how – that was my mindset every time any, any, any sport that we played was to, to be that guy who pushed everybody to be better. Uh, and if you weren't there to get better and to be better and to win – then I would have probably treated you. Michael probably wouldn't have had to do. I would have probably did all the dirty work myself. So for me, I looked at it as a completely different perspective. Like when he said, you know, he was like, if this is not how you want to play, then don't play that way. You know, and he got kind of emotional. It was like, because he really was wired that way. He didn't understand why people didn't want to work that hard. Uh, and, didn't, and people didn't want to win it at, at all costs. He really fully didn't understand it. So, I I loved it. I would have I would have relished it. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm with Dre. Like I would have had to. We would have had to fight at least once, just to get that respect. Just to let you know, like you said, you're not about to. You're not. He would have been taking your meals. He'd have been taking. Hey, nah, Carlos don't get to have dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we would have had to scrap one time. We had to get into it one good time just to kind of get it all out in the open. And like you said, like with Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr was like not only because of their backgrounds, but once Steve Kerr actually fought back, I, he got Jordan's respect. And it was, and while they weren't the best of teammates, he, Jordan knew that was somebody he could count on. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, uh, ahead, ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt my bad. I thought you was done with your statement. Um, I think one dynamic too is like when, at that level, <clears throat> you realize that like NBA players, I would say most of them as it, as defined by high school and college had probably alpha mentalities when it came to those levels, right? They were the guy, they were the big man on campus and, you know, they was the best high school player, the best college player, whatever. And so that kind of just magnifies like Jordan's like alpha dog mentality to say that like he was so much more of that over all these guys. And like, in my head, you're thinking, Oh, he's timid. I wouldn't be like that. He probably was the, you know, the guy like that when it was in college, you know, and Jordan was just on such another level. So I don't think it's anything that I, I probably could even comprehend, like, of, of like, of how he, you know, how he, I guess, um, handled his, you know, his teammates and his obsession with winning. Yeah, man, listen, Ant-Man was the man in his city, but he's not Thanos. <laughs> right. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. It's a fact. Like, yeah, you know, you're like, you get there and then you're just like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> when they came to play, play. Yeah. Okay. 
Yo, so let's go to this 98 uh, Eastern Conference Finals, seven-game series. Ooh. And, Mike, I want to start with you because Reggie Miller, he made a statement that I found to be interesting. He said that he thought that the, that the 98 Pacers were the better team, even though they lost that series. Uh, when you hear Reggie say that, what, 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 are, what is your uh, uh, comeback to that? Or what do you think about that statement? Uh, well, first of all, it makes absolutely no sense in the world because if you had the better team, you would have won. Um, and so that's where that, I think you end that one. That's foolish. I think it's Reggie talking. You know how everything gets better when it's as the older and further away from it you get um, and you kind of embellish a little bit. I think he, he got kind of caught up in the lore of the whole thing because he knew good and God dang well that uh, their team weren't, wasn't better than those Bulls. I think they pushed them in the East, like he said, and, and, and to be more specific, um, he wasn't afraid of Michael Jordan. He respected him, but he wasn't afraid of him, so he, he was uh, willing to compete against him. And so I, I think it, uh, the Patriots were a good team. They weren't a formidable foe. I don't think they were the best team that the, uh, during that run that the Bulls actually even, even went against. I always thought it was the Knicks. Um, every, every year they, they battled against the Knicks. Uh, and the best final team that I think they played against for me was uh, was the Jazz. So I, I think the Pacers probably the third, fourth team on that list. Uh, but I mean, they took them to a game seven, which, like you said, only happened twice uh, in that run. So that's respectable, you know what I mean? But but you know, at the end of the day, it's all about who putting up banners, and it wasn't the Pacers ever. <laughs> Man, but I'm gonna so <clears throat> I, I'll say this: I feel like. I don't think they were the oh, – man, were they the better team? I don't think they were the better team. Uh, but they were probably the team most closely – they were the team that was probably the best suited to knock them off, in part because they had that interior. They had Smith. Right. Rick Smith was giving them trouble. Reggie's always going to be an issue. Travis Best was instant offense off the bench. Um, that was really what he was there for and to try to give them a little bit of up-tempo. Uh, play, but I don't know. I don't know. I I do feel that. So here's the thing I will say. I went back and watched that game seven uh, at, at the game after the first couple of episodes, and they had them on the ropes, man. They had them on the yeah. ropes. Tony Kukoc, uh, you know, like he's really one of the unsung heroes of game seven. He goes five for five in the third quarter, 14 points. They get the lead. They build that lead and hold on to it for most of the, the second half. Um, I I have a lot of respect for Reggie Miller in part because of trash talking, because he was a guy who didn't back down. Um, he was not afraid. So I'm going to tell a quick story here. So, you know, we used to, we both went to Lincoln. You were, I think, a junior when I was a sophomore or a freshman, one of the two. Um, you obviously are the best player in the school, um, bar none. Like that. And they had a lot of really good guys at Lincoln during that time. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Before class. We're playing 21, five or six people. And I'm like, yo, this is, this is my time. Because I don't know if you remember. <laughs> so during gym, during gym at Lincoln, you, have, you had the NBA, which was all the varsity players. And then you had, they called us the ABA. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like ABA. this is one of those moments that like Mike, Mike has no clue this happened? He does he's, not. He's gonna be he like, has you, no you clue. signed an autograph for me afterwards. And then, you know, like, I'm just like. He has no clue about this moment. But I remember because, again, like, again, he's the best. He's the best basketball player that I have 
played against, whether it's an actual game, pickup, whatever. So he's got 17. I got 14. And Coach Sasser kicks us out the gym. And I'm here. Because I'm like, yo, this is my time to show I got game and I can hang with this dude. You know what I'm saying? And so Reggie, you know, wanted to hang. He wanted to prove that he was great. And in that fourth quarter, in the second half, he disappeared. And, you know, it's just like, you know, we all walked out the gym like, okay, good game, good run, good this, good that. But I wanted to beat you. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you look at Carl Malone, you look at after these games, these guys are dapping up. Hey, man, it's good. It couldn't have been me. There, I would have been Isaiah Thomas. I would not have gotten on the bus if I was Carl Malone and be like, hey, hey, yo, good game, man, good run. You know, you got the harder. None of that. I'm not coming to see you because I'm, I'm heated. I wanted to beat you. I don't – I want you to shake my hand. And I think that's the thing about Jordan that is so unique is that he hated to lose, right? LeBradford Smith. I think part of the reason him and Isaiah couldn't get along is because Isaiah had those three straight years of beating him in on their way to, to making it to the finals. Um, so, I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, like I said, that brush for greatness, that wanting to be great, that wanting to be a champion, wanting to prove to your peers, whether or not they're remembered or not, that, yo, I can hang with you. And um, they just, the Pacers just couldn't do it, man. They just couldn't do it. A1, do you, uh, do you subscribe to what Mike said in regards to um, – it seems to me that, that Mike, Michael, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you don't believe that, like, the phrase, the better team didn't win. The better, no. the better or the best team always wins. A1, Dre, do you, do you guys subscribe? I mean, I, you've heard that millions of times, you know what I mean? The better team didn't win. They got us, you know, but we know we're the better team. Or, or, or in, a, in a sport where you have a series – that can happen in football when the playoffs is just whoever gets hot. You know what I mean? You might be a better team and just have a bad day. But what's right. the same? You got to beat somebody four out of seven times. Like the better team wins. Exactly. You know, unless it comes down to something like injuries or something like that. Like, but but in that in that in that so if there's a game seven, then that does come down to one game, right? Because they would both have won three games. Yeah, but they had to get to that game seven. Yeah. Okay. You know, if, they, if the other team was just so much better than them, they would have just it wouldn't have got to seven games. You know what I mean? So, it, it, in that case, the better team does win, in my opinion. A1. Like, I saw you. I was on your live for a bit last night, and um, I heard you talking about Michael's game. Um, as someone who has played at, high, at a high level, who has competed for championships, what is it about Michael Jordan? Because I, th- I know LeBron fans showed up in the comments. Uh, shout, out, shout out to Kyle. Shout out to Kyle. He showed up. In the oh, my God, bro. <laughs> Kyle. He's the most a bit annoying too. dude on earth, bro. <laughs> I pray that nobody is sitting at home saying Aaron is the most annoying. I hope that that's like, doesn't pop up in anybody. I don't know who you are. Like, you might be in Canada or you might be somewhere. And they might just be like, I hope my name never pops up in that sentence. But – what is it? What was it about Michael's game that set him apart from the rest of from? So I put it to you this way: When Michael retired after that first retirement, people were already proclaiming him to be the goat with only three titles, which is when you right. think about it in retrospect, is unheard of. Mm-hmm. But what was it about Mike that separated him from the rest of his peers in terms of that goat discussion? Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it strictly basketball. Because so many times in this in this discussion about Michael Jordan, they talk about what he didn't do off the court, and then they try to throw in other people and other players to, to try to satisfy. It's like trying to fill a hole 
after you the the wind has blown the dirt away you're trying to fill the hole with something else so that that's kind of how i see that when they talk about the off the court strictly on the court michael jordan was so dominant in his game that he was so much better than everyone around him that it didn't it looked easy for him it wasn't that people around him wasn't good clyde drexler these were people who were hall of fame all-star players who were five slammer jam i mean great players just from a basketball standpoint michael jordan did the same thing a million times he was his game was very simple michael jordan didn't have a great handle on the basketball michael jordan knew that he could get to a spot elevate get his jump shot up when he was athletic when he first started he knew that his first step was quicker than anybody on the floor. So he simplified his game. That's the art that is lost today's game. They don't. They want to do everything like everybody, but they they don't know their own game. Michael Jordan's footwork is the is the one thing that stands out more than anything to me as a basketball player. And I talked about a little bit last night. I saw Michael Jordan make moves without ever dribbling the basketball. Just his facing up, scoring up to the basket, triple threat, and jab stepping, and getting the defender leaning. He knew Brian Russell played defense on his toes, so his attention to detail. Michael Jordan was relentless mentally, um, and that's what I think separated him from everybody else from the pack. Uh, and that's why I say it's never fair to compare anybody to Michael Jordan because he was just that high above, just about out skill set that he made it look easy. I, I'm not sure what to say. I have no retort for that. So – what so let me I let's let's talk about briefly about LeBron. Dre, I'm gonna come to you because you had a, a comment on your Facebook about a poll that was up on ESPN that I want to get that poll was horrible. Right. <laughs> right. So what is it? So why so other than all those things, is it basically all those things you named or why LeBron? I'm gonna use LeBron because he's the one that's always brought up as the challenger. Just on the court, is all those things you just named the reasons why why LeBron James cannot equate or be on that same level with Jordan? You talking to me or Dre? Yes, sir. Sorry. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's that's exactly why. I mean, the, 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 and the, the most important one is the mental domination that Michael Jordan had and the mental the fear that he projected into people when they played against him. People – feared playing against Michael Jordan. Not because he was going to beat them up and brawl them, to the, because he would destroy them and embarrass them every single time he wanted to. That level of fear and respect, I mean, it, it's, it's unheard of. Um, it just touched on the poll thing, like when I saw Andre's thing as well, LeBron, it's, it's not that Michael Jordan isn't a good passer. He, right. he was. LeBron is an exceptional passer. So he should have won in that category. It was his off-the-court stuff. He should have won in that category. So it was things like that where I thought the poll was slanted. But just straight on the court, LeBron just learned how to shoot a jump shot three, four years ago. Amir, he still don't have a post-up game, and he doesn't know how to use his size, his quickness, and his strength to his, to his advantage. And more over than anything, he's not mentally tough. He doesn't put fear into anybody. And that's not a knock on LeBron. It's just when you try to compare him to the GOAT, that's not fair. Mm. Shout out to mentality. 
<laughs> I've often said the same thing about LeBron. Like, I'm not one. Of, I'm one of those people. I, I believe Le, MJ is the goat, like hands down. But I also can appreciate what LeBron brings to the table. Like, and so the the conversation of you have to choose one or the other. I don't have to choose one or the either. I could just enjoy both for being who they are. But I also have a mind frame. This is this is my theory. I think there's a difference between being the best and being the greatest. Yes. Two separate things. Like yes. if, if you put a group of scientists in a room and you told them go into this, go into this room and build the best basketball player you can build, LeBron would probably come out the other side of that. Just physical abilities and things that he can do. Like he's a science experiment. <laughs> right. But when it comes to greatness, there's a certain it's what you said, Mike. There's a there's a fear that you put in the heart of the, of the people that's around you. Nobody in LeBron's class reverences him the way that the other greats in Jordan's class reverenced him. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's that that's that um it's that it factor that that separates yep. good from great. I, I feel the same way about uh, Tom Brady and other quarterbacks. He's not the best quarterback, but he's the greatest. There's something. Yep. There's an it factor there that you can't. Uh-huh. You can't you can't bring about with a with a science experiment. You know what I mean? So, uh, I I think that I will say this to all my LeBron fans out there. I've said this, I've said this for years. LeBron fans, Kobe fans, MJ fans. I think that you do yourself a disservice by trying to compare LeBron and, and Kobe to Jordan. Just allow them to be great for who they are and enjoy it. Because when you start to do that, that's when you start to come up against stuff that you just can't win this argument. <laughs> like you had to right. take so many different places to try to win this argument. You got to jump through so many hoops, you start to look stupid, like like Nick Wright. You know, what I mean? like, like you start to like say something. So you got to be, you got to be out of your mind. You got to reach for so many different places trying to make that work. So just enjoy them for who they are, and and, and let them be great for who they are. I, I I personally think LeBron is the second best player, second best player I've ever seen in my life. And I love Kobe. Kobe is my man's. But and when when I saw when I saw LeBron. Take the that seventy three win Warriors to the finals and lead both teams in every statistical category to win that game seven. I said, "Yo, this dude is nuts. He still ain't Jordan, but he's nuts." <laughs> Yo, so shout out to everybody in the comments, man. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I see a comment from Renal. Uh, what about? I guess it's from the poll. What about more amazing? What was that? Bron shoes are definitely more comfortable to play in. So what did they have a poll? Was part of the poll about whose shoes were better to play? Yeah, they they had part of the poll was whose shoes were better, who made whose shoes made a better uh impact off the court, meaning like better to wear in style, and then whose shoes were better for performance. Like the idea that a pair of Jordans made in the 90s is better for performance. Yeah, that's... The pair of LeBron's is absolutely stupid. <laughs> I roll my ankles walking in a pair of 12. Let alone, <laughs> <let> alone <try. laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like th- th- that, that, when I saw that, I was like, yo, they, they bugging. Like, they definitely picked a bunch of Jordan fans to make this, to make this a thing during this, during this debate. You know, I love Jordan. I don't think, I don't think you need to add any sauce to the fact that he's the great. He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT. He's great. You know what I mean? So I got a question for y'all, and y'all, and, and I'm a, I'm open to being rebuked about this, but I've had an idea of looking at the greats as almost like a living residence, and there are floors, right? So there's a bottom floor, and you go all the way to the penthouse. I've always, for me, 
over the last maybe year or two, I've had the penthouse being the penthouse suite. I have three players in this suite. I have Jordan, I have Kareem, and I have LeBron. Michael has the master suite, though. Am I mm. is that is that a correct view to look? Is that a view that you guys could agree with? Mm, that's that's a good that board. Hey, that, you good? You good? Are, um, they, are they on Big Brother or something? Am I missing something? Are they <laughs> like like what like what just happened? I mean, are they on Big Brother? Hey, Lord, mute, mute yourself. Mute All right, my yourself, bad. My, it's a it's, it's a, a it's around the horn. I just lost a lot of points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh uh, man, that's a great. I, in my map, in my in my penthouse, if it's just three, I wouldn't have LeBron. If it's just three, um, I would definitely have MJ. I would have Kareem, and then in my penthouse, my penthouse is gonna be Magic, um, because mm-hmm. because to me there is no LeBron without Magic Johnson. So so I think that they, I think that Jordan has the master suite. And I think that you have matching master suites on the other side with Kareem. And then Magic's room may be a little bit smaller. He may not have an ensuite, you know, but he still got a he still got a nice room because Magic would change the game. Kareem changed the game. MJ changed everything. LeBron carried all three of what they could do and he lifted the game in the last 15 years to where it is now. So he, he'll be right underneath if it's just three. If it's four, he's in there. Because as much as I love Michael, as much as I love Kobe Bryant personally and, and as a basketball player, I think LeBron overall skill set is 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 a little bit better than Kobe's skill set. Has nothing to do it's like what Dre said when he said the difference between uh, 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 a GOAT, you know what I mean? And, and it's somebody who's a, who's a great player. Um, and, and, and Kobe's mindset is like MJ. Everything Kobe did was like MJ. So it was, it's, 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 it's crazy. And my thing, how I measure that greatness, is when you get to the top and you put down your flag, every single time you get to the top, and, you, and every single time, LeBron, every time he got to the top, he lost more than he won. So that's, it's hard to put him above Kobe, but I'm talking about just skill set. You know, so it's it's one of them arguments, like Dre said, not to compare them because really they play different positions and the numbers are way more inflated today than they were back then. You couldn't get an assist back then throwing the ball, somebody take a dribble, pump fake, and then shoot the basketball, and you get an assist for it. Back then it had to be an immediate action. So all that stuff is inflated. It's changed a little bit. Oh, so uh, I I throw it to you, Dre. If you had based on my penthouse rules, who's who? <laughs> what what? Are, who's the top three in, in in these penthouse rules? I would have the same ones as you, Jordan, LeBron, and uh, and Will. He said Kareem. I guess I mean Kareem. Kareem, not Will. Kareem. All right, Ward. I actually agree with Mike. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I got Shaq like Kool Aid Man and through the wall though. <laughs> like, like, bro, I'm just saying, <laughs> Shaq is a bad man too, and uh, that that's probably. Uh, but yeah, I I agree. Um, I look at you know, um, the way Mike put it is like you know, there's no uh, LeBron without kind of a Magic, you know, in in regards to like that skill, and so you kind of have Jordan and Kobe and then Magic and LeBron, you know. So I don't think I can necessarily take Kobe or LeBron and put them, you know, up there. 
I would have to take Kareem uh, or something, and, and that's not going to happen. So, yeah, I think I would go um, – yeah, them, yeah. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's probably who I rock with. All right, so shout out to my my pops in the comments. My dad said, I mean, he echoed the sentiments of Mike. LeBron and Mike, two different levels. LeBron doesn't take advantage of his size in the paint. Mike would abuse people down in the paint, even though he wasn't the most physical guy on the block. So, yeah, um, you know, so, one but, of the other things, one of the other things that I think that you know, it's like I think we touched on it a little bit is like, like when uh, Mike was saying like uh, Le- LeBron got there and lost, like. Imagine getting there and never leaving room for error. Like he, like he never left those questions to be said, Jordan. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, it, it, why do we even have debates? Because LeBron is what two and four or something, or or maybe I don't, I don't remember what was, what his record is. Three, three and six. Three, three and six, three something six. like that. Yeah, I knew it was something crazy. But like, like that's not just one time leaving room. <laughs> that's not <laughs> not one, not two. <laughs> not, you know what I mean? Like, like. Like the best way to shut everybody up is to not leave room for those questions. Man. Man. For me, the biggest the biggest thing with LeBron with those last losses, the the one that he cannot overcome for me. And we get to this point, you're talking about you're talking about splitting hairs. You cannot overcome those. Come on, bro. First, Come on, bro. One, the first one in Cleveland when they when they got swept by the by the uh by San Antonio San Antonio was just a much better team. Right. right? I'm not I'm not putting on LeBron. Um, the one when they lost to San, San Antonio the second time in Miami, San Antonio shot like 100 percent from three point land. Like <laughs> they was not losing that series, right? Uh, when he lost when he lost the first time to the to the Warriors, and and lost his two best players, he was still great in that series, but that team was just better. They they came on lose. Yeah, I'm not blaming him for that. The two Kevin Durant years at Golden State. I'm come on, man. Y'all know KD's my favorite player. Like, you put him on that team, nobody's beating them when they're healthy, right? So right. I didn't blame him for none of those. But the one with Dallas, <laughs> we talk about him and Jordan, right? Jordan lost in the playoffs before, right? It's not like not like, it's not like he's undefeated in the playoffs. But you name me one time where Jordan was favored to win a series and lost. Not only was LeBron favorite to win in that series, he was the reason they lost. Like, he disappeared. In those- <laughs> like, did he bounce back from that great? Yes, he did. But that one thing on his resume is never be Jordan at this point. You know what I mean? So, did he, did he make up ground with that, with that game seven against the 73 win team Warriors? Yeah, he did. But he, he could never pass them. Ever because of that one thing, and it's on his resume. You can't get rid of it. And as noted by Michael Watson, that he developed a jump shot in the last three or four years is a direct um, can be a directly attributed to the fact that two of his three came from two people who actually have jump shots that saved him. Mm. Come on, come on. That I, mean, I don't, I don't subscribe <laughs> to that saving him part. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> he put in work. He put in more than his fair share. He put in more than his fair share in that in that Cavs Warriors series. Um, he put in work in that in that Spurs series, um, but you are you do have to give credit where credit is due to Kyrie for hitting MVP the of those series rating. for a reason. <laughs> Say that again. He was MVP of those series for yeah, a reason. Absolutely. Let's not, let's not play it. Let's not downplay it. Like, but but speaking of questions, speaking of questions, will the Bulls, if they had brought the team back, yes, for <laughs> do they win the title? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely not. 
unabashedly. I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't think unabashedly even goes with what I'm saying, but it sounds like yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, thanks, A. Ward. Um, for sure, we talked about this off camera. It's absolutely no way that they don't win in '99 in a lockout season, a shortened season. I don't care if you're going up against a, a, a young Tim Duncan and David Robinson. I do not care because Michael's quest to be the greatest is it, it was unquenchable back then. So there's no way they wouldn't have lost it. That if that team would have came back, they were all still in their prime. They were at the top of their prime, all of them. Man, I don't know, Scotty. Okay. Scotty was Scotty was banged up. Scotty was banged up. I'm not sure he was ever truly the same guy after '98. By the way, shout out to Scotty. You can't talk about to me. You can't talk bad about Scotty no more. Mm. When you say to me, "Hey, he's losing motor function." Because his back is so like motor fun, like bro. Don't I don't care about him not getting not take getting up in the game and letting Kuko take the shot in '94. I don't yeah, care if they didn't win the really, title I didn't in '94. Until I watched the documentary, like I was so young during that time, I didn't even realize that that happened that year that he uh, that Jordan was gone and they got to the playoffs. He set out at the end of the game. I didn't know that happened until I watched. Yeah, Dre. Hey, Dre. Me and you, man. We was kids, bro. Like, man, we, we was <laughs> we, we was so young, man. Shout out to Dre. Shout out to wow. Dre. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. But no, man, I don't – I just think that that lockout short season, I think that the schedule is going to be incredibly compacted. So they're probably playing more back-to-backs, more three games and four nights, more four games and right. five nights. And I, I just miss, think that that yeah, would have worn them down. I just don't see them beating the Spurs. I don't know if they even beat Indiana. Now, hey, Grant, no, I know Indiana okay, lost okay. the pitch. Great point. So uh-huh. to, 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 to reference what Reggie Miller said last night, he said, yeah, I thought the Pacers were the better team. Yeah, I thought we had, you know, a better overall team. He said, but Chicago's championship DNA is what they could not account for. It's like the, it's like the Black Panther juice. Um, it's like that stuff, you know, it's, it's the stuff you cannot account for. Like Drake called it the it factor. When it comes to winning and when it's winning time, champions make winning plays. You saw it, Michael Jordan, in game six in Utah, pipping out, hurt. He scored half the points and played all the minutes with his Robin hurt. Like, he's a winner. You got players, LeBron don't know nothing about that. David Robinson didn't win until Tim Duncan got there. Like, they don't know nothing about being when – that, when that light come on, bro, when that light hits you, it's like when you start thinning like me on top and that light hits your head the right way, and you like, dang, I'm losing my hair. When that light hits you on that stage, bro, it's different. That, 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 that flick, that wrist don't flick. The muscles tighten up. That, that, that – it's a, on, a, on a basketball level, they're like, oh, your, your booty hole tight right now, huh? Like, you, you – you holding it in right now because you not got them bubble guts. Like, that, that's how it is. So that's why I say if that team has stayed together, I just cannot bet against Michael Jordan. I mean, this is what it is. So, so I hear what you're saying. I got one last thing to consider, though. Could it, could so, it have been in 98 that team – not necessarily Knicks because I think the Knicks were kind of – I think Ewan gets – does Ewan get hurt that year when they go to the finals? I don't think he plays in the finals because he gets hurt in the playoffs, I believe. But a team yeah. like the Pacers, could it have been their turn in the same way that it was Detroit's turn in the 80s, the same way it became the Bulls' turn in the 90s? You don't think that 
after all those battles, because I feel like in the NBA, that's what happens, right? Upstart team comes up, they bump up against a champion, they bump against that brick wall, and then finally they break through. Now, whether they finish it all, I think is another story. But at least that team that's always been standing in their way of getting to the next level, from a conference standpoint, that, that is what you see happen on, on, at least throughout NBA history, at least through the modern era. So you don't think that that team at that point, having faced them, those two years again being bounced by them, that third year is not the charm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. If you if that's your theory, if that's your if that's your prerequisite of of of, of the teams ascending to the next level uh, and, and watching them do so, Detroit to 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 Chicago, Chicago when you know when they got out when Houston, that would have been a battle. I think that would have been more of a battle than anything that ninety five, ninety six when Houston. I think I think that would have been two game sevens that the Bulls would have had to really fight for. In ninety nine, Phil Jackson would have still been with Chicago, so he wouldn't have went to the Lakers. That was the next dynasty in the league. Uh, the Spurs snuck in there again when Jordan's out of the league, you know, when Phil Jackson's out of the league. So it's like they they really they lucked up because because the Jerry Krause wanted to get Tim Floyd in the soap. So 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 really Tim Duncan and and um David Robinson should thank Jerry Krause for that championship they got in ninety nine because they wouldn't they wouldn't have gotten it had they broken up that Bulls team. They would have had seven. So the Spurs lucked into a championship. That in '99, yeah. And I would love to. See, I would have loved to have seen it. I would have. I would have been good. I tell you this much: I was one that subscribed to the, the Spurs. I believe the Spurs would have won in '99. But as I mentioned before, Michael Jordan left no room for me to have any factual <laughs> anything to say other than the fact that I just think it'll happen. I, he won every time he got there. And that's every why time. my foundation of my opinion is literally nothing. But the fact that I think that down low, that Duncan and Robinson would have gave them some fits. And um, I don't know how, I mean, Steve Kerr, I don't know how much of a role he paid, played with the Spurs that next year, because obviously he probably would have stayed with the Bulls. But, um, but yeah, uh, I don't, I mean, yeah, there's 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 no reason for me to think that would have happened, um, but uh, I do know that you know uh, the the first game or the fifty game shortened season by then Dennis Rodman would have probably had about ten or fifteen more appearances on WCW <laughs> and appearances. Probably the wildest dude alive. <laughs> alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that I actually that that brings me a, a great question. So, Mike, you have obviously you played professionally. Um, Mike was out in them streets. Just don't ask the question. No, Just know on, Mike was on, out in them on. streets. So I, I, I'm going to ask. Yes, I'm going to ask a question. No name. Like the wild, like no names, no incriminate anybody. What's the wildest teammate story you got that you can that you feel comfortable? <laughs> Man, the wildest because, teammate. I was the wildest teammate that I had. I mean, <laughs> ask no, all no. of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I can tell you the wild, the wildest, and it wasn't had no, the wildest one was Tony Allen in Boston. Tony Allen from Chicago, played for Oklahoma State. Tony Allen was a real life thug. Like it wasn't like he wasn't playing street. Like that dude was street all the way so much so to where 
My street paled in comparison to history. He bought the streets of Southside Chicago with him everywhere he went. The wildest thing I ever seen, bro. This is a true story. I think I may have told Dre and them this, but we were in Vegas for the first two weeks of 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 camp, and I mean of summer league, and then we had our preseason camp. So we were out there for two weeks at the Four Seasons. So we down in the lo- we down in the lobby. Well, Tony Allen would call my room because he was right like two doors down, and we played against each other in college. You know, Vic Williams uh, was his teammate. So Tony Allen would say the word Joe. Like, the Chicago, they'd be like, yo, what up, Joe? Hey, Joe. Like, that. I'd be like, yo, my name ain't Joe. It's Michael. So he's like, nah, we, we call everybody Joe. So he called my phone one night, and, and this is when you this is when you call their hotel phone. He's like, yo, mm-hmm. hey, Joe, like, order a limo and charge it to my room. Like, I swear, I was like, well, bet. Because they, they first-round picks. They they got guaranteed money. So I'm like, bet. So I, I ordered order, uh, the limo to his room. We go down to the lobby. Paul Pierce is down there, but Paul Pierce ain't getting in the limo. Paul Pierce is in a beat-up Durango with tinted windows, and I'm like, why is this dude in a Durango with tinted windows? Well, if you recall, Paul Pierce got cut up a few years ago um, out in out in on the East Coast, so he laid low everywhere he went. So, but we in the limo, Marcus Banks from UNLV was on the team, Delonte West, Kendrick Perkins, Al Jefferson, Justin Reed. We were all rookies. Uh, Ernest Jones was a, was a free agent. So the story was, we walk in, before we even get to the, to, to the lobby, we walk through the casino. Tony Allen had four of his dudes from Chicago with him who were all uh, black gangster disciples with him in the, in the freaking thing, right? So they walk in, and I'm going to speak and say, what's up to Tony? They didn't know who I was, so they grabbed me up, bro. Like, grabbed me, like, bro, who is this? You know, like, no. flipping out. Hey. And like real talk, and I'm looking like nigga, I'm about to, I'm about to have to bang out right here in this hotel. <laughs> he was like, Nah, Joe, that's my man, Watson, man. He from KC, okay, that's my man. So we, he's like, Oh, they like, Oh, my bad, my bad. But the crazy part of the part of the story was, Tony Allen had a Rolex on, like a, 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 a you know, back then in 2004, you wore like big flashy watches, but it had broke in the little scuffle, so his thing fell off, and then Tony picks it up. And him and his boys just start laughing to each other. He was like, yo, look at this, Mike. Look at this. Look at this. So I look at the thing, and the thing had an S and an M on it. And I'm like, S-M? I'm like, and they laughing. like, why are they snickering at each other? So his dude was like, hey, man, you remember when we when we snatched it off of Stephon Marbury? True story, bro. True story. Hey. True, true story, bro. And I'm sitting here like, these dudes really, it was like, oh, and I looked at Tony, he was like, he was like, I said, Tony, why are you wearing this watch? He's like, because it was free. I was like, I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm done. The, 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 that was the true story, but I was like, this dude is crazy. Tony Allen, that's just, that's just who he was, though, bro. Like, I, you thought it was going to be a story about some girls and some party. Nah, bro, that was the craziest thing. I was like, you walking around with Stefan Marbury's stolen watch. <laughs> like you're walking around with it. Marbury could have made 5.2 billion pairs of shoes with that. Hey. <laughs> Crazy story, bro. That is wild, yo. <laughs> Hilarious. That's nuts. <laughs> and now we know why Paul Pierce was laying low. Laying low, <laughs> bro. Paul right. Pierce did not go out to the club 
hey, one thing about NBA dudes, bro, they that's why I learned how to party all night and work hard in the morning. They would leave clubs at five, six in the morning for seven o'clock workouts, bro. Come in there and work like they weren't out the entire night. I did that twice, bro. I almost died at camp. I was like, <laughs> I don't see how y'all do this. I'm not cut out for this. They would smoke, drink, party, do it, and go to practice like they had been sleeping all night long. I said, "Oh, y'all real, y'all real pros." Like you all learn how to do it. Been doing this since fourth grade. It's <laughs> so, right. a wild lifestyle, boy. So right. Dennis Rodman is not an anomaly then, because I always thought that. No. Wow. No. no. Dennis Rodman was tame, bro, compared to some of these dudes and what they and what they were doing, and he was tame compared to some of the '80s cats that we, we heard stories about at the rookie symposiums and stuff like that. Like, Rodman was just – what really happened was the, the media coverage and the following had grown, so you were more made more aware yeah. of it. There was more wild stuff going on with, with Coke parties and everything in, in the NBA back then in the 80s, way before Rodman was, you know, came, came to where he was with the Bulls. Wow. I would have loved to have seen Rodman and Duncan. Yeah, so somebody uh, shout out to the comments. So somebody asked, "Does Rodman handle Duncan in that if they match up in that final hypothetical finals?" Ooh, that that would have been that. But you gotta understand, I I love Tim Duncan. <laughs> it would have been a before and after of the creative player, like right when you get to the creative player screen, and it's just Tim Duncan, and then you add all the stuff to him, and it is it's this Rodman over here. That would have been that because Tim Duncan was still young at that time, y'all. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Tim Duncan wasn't the Tim Duncan. I mean, he was balling, but he wasn't. He wasn't right here. I I think Robin would have had a little edge because no people disrespect Carl Malone like Carl Malone ain't top five greatest power forward of all time. Thanks. Like Thanks. he gave Robin the business every time they played him. Like, he could ball out, bro. And to me, Timmy Duncan reminded me of Carl Malone. But Carl Malone, but, but, but Duncan would have, was not as seasoned as Carl Malone, you know, in, in 99. So, I think it would have been – it would have been good. I think it would have been good. So, let's go – let's go uh, 98, game six. Yo, Dre, what's up? You got something? No, go ahead. You're good. We go ahead. 98, game six, Jordan uh, – what, the Bulls are down three – Jordan comes down, attacks Brian Russell. Oh, no, no. He comes down, gets the bucket, attacks the hole, gets the bucket, comes down, strips Carl Malone. So I'm, I'm going to start with you, Dre. Was it a push-off? <laughs> Honestly, I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, back then, back then, back then uh, let's go back and play before that. The strip on Carl Malone. In today's game, he would have got called for a foul. Yep. You know what I mean? So, so. Bro, he hit that ball so hard, bro. I'm surprised right. he didn't hit the ground and go all the way up to the <laughs> Right, right. They, they called him for a foul in that, you know, for today's game. But the game was different back then. So, that push-off, it wasn't nothing. It wasn't nothing crazy. You didn't, you didn't even start hearing about that being a quote-unquote push-off till years after it happened when people go back and look at the footage. When it first happened, nobody was like, oh, he pushed off. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. It was just a part of the game. So, Ward, what you think, foul or nah? I mean, <clears throat> nah. I, I, I would say no. I think that we we did notice that uh, Brian Russell's his momentum 
Sorry, um, A1. What A Ward is referring to is a long-standing argument between he and I, and frankly my other friends, about whether momentum shifts in sports are real. That's a discussion for another day. I said that's a discussion for another day. Keep watching the video. But his uh, his his <laughs> momentum was already going that way. Um, that's a real thing. It was uh, <laughs> it the only like the only reason like if Jordan misses the shot, right? Nobody has ever said anything about. Nobody even recognizes that his hand is even there. You know what I mean? Like so, the only reason it's magnified is in that case. And plus, I'm I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan wasn't known as somebody who got away with pushing off throughout his career. You know what I mean? So it'd be one thing if like I saw somebody like a Marcus Smart who, uh, you know, in the finals flop, you know, or something like that and say, and then you can go back and say, nah, this dude always does that. You know what I mean? And they never call or he's known for that. You know what I mean? And so I don't think it was something that the referees would be like, all right, is he going to push off or not? You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, like you said, he opened the door for him. I think that's what they said on the last dance is like, he, or, or maybe it was a major afterwards. A major. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? And Hey, I mean, he was already going that way. <laughs> if, if if Michael Jordan had one arm on that play, he still would have hit that jump shot. <laughs> Straight up. Yo, so shout out, shout out to the comments. Tiana said it wasn't a push off. Uh, Isaiah, I mean, of course, right now Isaiah called it a push off, but I mean, he's a hater, so we, you know, we know how that goes. Um, so Mike, I'll ask you, and I got a question about uh, playing in high pressure situations, push off or not. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely, absolutely not. It wasn't a push off. Um, I think what you can't forget is what Jordan he explained it. And he and when you piece what, what piece together what Jordan said, he knew Brian Russell. He knew his tendencies defensively, you know, and that's that's the thing I give LeBron credit for too. He knows his stuff, like his game film, he knows that stuff it, it, to to know how to break down a player. Jordan knew what Brian Russell would do. That's that's what made Jordan great. It wasn't all handles and shaking and coming off screens. I'm going to get this dude going one way hard because he plays defense on his toes. And once I get him going hard this way, all I have to do is plant, crossover. I'm in my sweet spot as a jump shot shooter in rhythm. Any jump shot shooter who's right-handed, you like to go from right to left because you pat the ball from left to right. So it's just one motion and you in your shot. Jordan knew that all after stripping them, and you see everybody pimping and robbing, they said, get out the way. It's game over. We, we know this. Ain't no play. Bill Jackson ain't calling no timeout. Michael Jordan is about to win this game. Period. The end. So, no. I so think that, like, uh, <clears throat> like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know uh, A1, you play ball. Dre play, play ball. Um, like when I was in high school and college, like I had coaches that taught me things that were illegal and said, if they call it, then stop doing it. You know what I mean? Like, but until, until it gets called, you know, like little tricks of the trade. I remember fighting through screens, not going, not going underneath and how we got through screen. He, if your elbow didn't pierce their spinal cord while you fought through the, the screen like that, my, my, my coach didn't want to hear about it. You know what I mean? And so like that, that's how it was, you know? So I think that, you know, Jordan probably learned some of those tricks, you know, I mean, that's, he's Jordan. He knows what he can kind of get away with and what he can't, you know? And so it's probably just the hand there with a slight little hair, you know? Like, that's why he's the GOAT. So, Mike, I want to ask you because I tweeted out at that moment that I would pay uh, I would pay handsomely 
to be able to um, collectively snatch the souls of 18,000 people with one shot. <laughs> like I would pay good money for that feeling. 900 white people. <laughs> Bro, 919991 and a half white people. <laughs> that crowd, that crowd was not a black and white thing. <laughs> that, that crowd was just <laughs> so I want to ask you playing in high pressure situations, playing in hostile hostile crowds, what is that feeling like? Where whether as you taking that shot or as a team just going in and just like like I said, just snatching a crowd and a team soul from them. What is that feeling like? Um it's it's like it's like, uh, I'll give you this example. In college, our rivals were Oral Roberts in Tulsa and Valparaiso. Valparaiso, y'all know, was a powerhouse, mm -hmm. one of the best mid-majors ever. They had, like, Cinderella. international Cinderella. players. Yeah, international players who come over as pros and play in college, and they would just kill. So, it, for me, my, my favorite thing was in, it, when, like you said, playing in an environment where the whole crowd is against you. The entire scouting report is to, is built to stop you. So you're like, okay, now when you go and you defy what they thought was going to happen, because in their minds, those fans in Utah really thought that they were going to beat Chicago. They really, at that moment, before he got stripped, I think they knew it was over when he got stripped, when he drove out the ball. But before he got stripped, they were like, this is about to happen. So in, in, in Tulsa, uh, Oral Roberts, that's why I had the 54 points in college. But people didn't realize I averaged 39 points a game in, in Tulsa at Oral Roberts, a game since my freshman year. I destroyed them. So I was such an asshole, like Mike, that the crowd, my mom was at a game. They were talking so much stuff to my mom behind my bench doing a timeout, and I looked and saw my mom arguing with these fans. So I get up out the timeout, go behind the bench, and I pointed the dude in the crowd. I said, yo, I'm going to boop, 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 boop. Like, I, so I, I flipped out on him. All right, so Marcus, he like, smart. He talking, he, talking real, he talking real slick the entire game. So I have, like, I have, like, 37 points. After the game, I take off my Tracy McGrady T-Mac Adidas. That's what we had right then. I took them off, and I, I stomped on the eagle at half court at first. Then I took my shoes off, and I left them there at half court and walked off, and I flicked off the whole crowd when I was walking off at the thing. That's how it feels. It feels like you flick off the entire crowd after stomping on their mascot and telling them all F you at a Christian university <laughs> when you're in college. <laughs> That's what's up, yo. That's what's up. I got one more question. I ain't mad at um, that at all, by the way. I love I love cussing <laughs> at Christian schools, bro. Like if there's anything that, that I enjoy doing most. <laughs> yo, I got one more question. And then uh, we if y'all got anything y'all want to talk about, we can talk about it and we can call it a night. So I know we've had discussions about whether or not this team was going to be together for another season. And MJ says. Well, you know, if 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 Krause wanted to, he could have brought back uh, Phil. Phil would have signed on for one more year. Steve would have signed on for one more year. Uh, Pip would have signed on for one more year. And I went, really? 
Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> fell back on it. He was like, eh, yeah, you know. <laughs> so two two part question. Well, I get. Well, no, not two part. Do you, if you were Pitt, you felt just in his position, you felt like you've been underpaid. You, your value hasn't been recognized. You've been feuding with management. You asked to be traded during the season, which I forgot about. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start with you, Dre. If you're Pip and Mike said, and let's just say they get the green light. I read an article today that Reinsdorf said they that there was a last ditch effort to try to bring everybody back, but Phil said it was done. This is like in the summertime. They've already had their final meeting, did their kumbaya zen moment with Bernie and stuff. Exit interviews. Yep, all that's happened. <laughs> so, Dre, you're Pippin, and they say, and Michael calls you. Not not Kraus, not Phil, not Reinsdorf. Mike says, yo. One more time, let's defend the crown. What are you doing? If I'm healthy, I want to go defend the crown. If my back is jacked up, I'm going to get this bag somewhere else. Let's just say you're healthy. You're healthy. No. How many hypotheticals are you going to put on this situation? Well, I mean, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's came back. Because <laughs> well, he said. He said you he feel like you're 21 again. <laughs> of course you're going to come back. If I'm, well, healthy, I'm, I'm, if I'm healthy, we gotta we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go defend what's on one more time, right? Nobody's ever forfeited, you know. Have, I don't think anybody's ever forfeited, right? Um, uh, Celtics didn't do it in the back of the day. I, I, that's, only, that's the only question mark I got is it, is the Celtics. I'm not sure. Okay, but let's just say from from the from the first couple episodes, Mike was talking about how that three peat was so good to him because Magic never did it, Bird never did it, you know, the, the Pistons never did it. So at this point. We gotta go and see if we can if we can make history again. Like that would be one thing I'd put over the over the money at that point, right? But if my back is jacked up and I, just, and I had to go get I had to go get massages in the middle of the fourth quarter and then come out and play for five minutes and go back and get them again, I'm out of here unless y'all trying to pay me, cause cause I didn't play all the way to this point. My I'm about to lose my number one money making ability, which is my physical abilities, and I ain't got paid yet. I'm going to get a bag. I go play for Atlanta. I go play for. I go play overseas. I go play at your mama house, but she gonna pay me better. I'm gonna get this bag and go chill. All right, Mike. So what? What you doing if you pit? Without question, yeah. Without question, you going. You going for the for the for the lure of of a four peat. Uh, you can't say no to Michael anyhow. Uh, that's his big brother. I mean, and Pippen knew that. I love how Pippen was real transparent in how he described Michael Jordan um, as, as, as helping shape and mold him and bring out his toughness. Like, if Jordan never did that, there would be no Scottie Pippen, as you know it. Pippen wouldn't have came into his own. You know, but Jordan doesn't get credit for that because Pippen became such a Hall of Fame top 50 great. But if you're Pippen, you're listening to your, you're listening to your brother. Like, okay, man, one more year. It's like bad boy Martin and, and Will, like bad boy, one more year. You know what I mean? Like, you got to go and do it. You know what I mean? And I think I think they would have got paid. I think they, they both would have got paid for sure. But to see that, uh, I think it's part of the part of the, 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 the dynamic that is Chicago. Just the, that what if, if they had stayed together that year and been able to, if they would have been able to win that fourth, that, that's more of a conversation I don't think people don't ever have. But I think he would have – I think he would have stayed. Ward? Yeah, I think so too. Um, 
I think like Mike said earlier, you know, when, when winning is a culture and it's in your DNA, um, you know, those, you can say Pippen's unhappy, but at the end of the day, when you're winning, there is a happiness there. You know what I mean? Oh, like the, the, all of this other stuff could be, you know, but when Mike's on the phone with me and he's talking about winning again, like that DNA, that culture of winning, all of that kind of stuff starts to rise to the forefront and say, all right, you know what? I done put up with this BS of this, this, and this for the last three. I could do it one more year. However, I did just start playing 2K. Uh, I never been a video game guy. So, you know, when you get your endorsements and you got a counter offer and then you got to say, nah, but you got to give me 5,000. I think I'm talking to Mike. Like, if I don't get my bread, check this out. Here's what you're going to do. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to set something up, you know, to where, you know, I could, I could get treated a little bit better so I'm not pissed off all year long, you know. Like, I think, I think he's going to be a real good negotiator, you know. But ultimately, yeah, if Mike calls you, yeah, I'm back. You muted, man. We can't hear you. He don't, like I said, come on, man. He's saying all bad words, y'all. That's what we had to point that out. I thought I hit up. There I we go. I hit the button. We back. My fault. Yeah. I thought I hit the button. My bad. So shout out <laughs> to the comments. Ed said, I think they would have to pay Pippen a lot of money for him to stay. You're absolutely right. Uh, does Mike take a pay cut to make Pips uh, one-year deal better? The answer is no. No. <laughs> He's not paid many. <laughs> He's not no, Tom. Wait, there. Tom Brady never did, did he? Tom, I don't think Tom Brady was a pay cut kind of guy, was he? Uh, actually, Tom yeah. Brady took. Yeah, he, he was. Took, he, he, yeah, he took some haircuts. He took okay, some haircuts. Okay. They, they can ask all the quarterbacks to do that now. That's a bar. Jordan can't take a haircut. It's a bar. Hilarious. That's why it's brains and bars. <laughs> Hilarious. So, yo, any uh, before we get out of here, man, anything else y'all want to say about the documentary about Jordan? Anything else? Greatest documentary I've ever seen. I'm gonna go back and watch it multiple times. Um, I, I I absolutely loved it. Two things I learned for sure uh, through this thing: the the greatness of Michael Jordan was even more than I thought it was. Second mm. of all, Michael Jordan's the worst dressed per, worst dressed person of our lifetime. <laughs> Come on, bro! You saw Carl Malone in the mom pants jump on the bus and, and dap him up, bro. That was nuts too. <laughs> <laughs> that was nuts. That was a wild time. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. So uh, I appreciate y'all for coming on with us and having this live Facebook live discussion about the last dance. Um, please remember, you can go to youtube.com. I shouldn't say youtube.com. You go to YouTube, search Brains and Bars for every uh, episode. Well, I'm not should say every episode. We're getting them up there. But to see the live content, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, hit the notification bell for all content that's posted there. You can check every episode of the podcast by going to the podcast app of your choice, searching Brains and Bars and checking us out there. And then you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube by searching at Brains and Bars, man. Um, to Dre, I appreciate you coming on. Mike, thank you for your expertise. Thank you for the stories. I appreciate it. My brother, A-Ward, as you know, always, I am A-Ward.com for everything. Go check out the two-on-two, man. Geechee Gotti, B-Dot versus A-Ward and Loso. It should have a lot more views. I'll salute to Geechee Gotti, though, winning champion of the year today. Salute to him. But until next time, it's been a black. And white. And white. And white. And white. And white. Absolutely. Hey, we appreciate y'all, man. Facebook, thank y'all for tuning in with us. We'll holler at y'all. Maybe we'll do this again sometime. So we'll holler at y'all, man. Peace.